Aloha Maui Nui! Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkart, arms up everybody, it's the Solar Coaster. Episode number... 39. 39, there it is, 39. that's right, it's 39. Okay, episode number 39, the Enphase story. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting show. We have a couple of the uh, the the founding members of co-founders, right? the like co-founders, the of fellas that built it, right? Right. Uh, going to be here live talking to us, which is really cool. Martin and Ragu, correct? Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dig into this story. Really excited about that. Did it start in a garage? I tend to see them sitting there tinking around, or was it a <laughs> you know what kind of a startup story was it? We're gonna hear all about their amazing product line. I mean, they're really you know a, a household name as far as Solar is concerned. It's kind of Enphase. There's a couple of companies out there. Enphase is a household name, and certainly here in Hawaii, uh, and there's a lot to dig into. And in you know both uh, the early days, the what they got uh, going on nowadays, and then the futures. They, they've got some really cutting edge tech. So we're gonna yeah, they're gonna announce some stuff on the show. Here. Here that's going to be really, really interesting. Oh, I can't wait, right? Okay, so uh, let's get through some housekeeping here. Uh, we are the Solar Coaster, a uh, renewable energy-focused talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found uh, Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on KAOI 1110 AM, 96.7 FM Central, 96.5 FM West Side, 98.7 FM Up Country. Uh, for today, it is a call-in show typically, but for today, uh, please steer your comments if you would be so kind to our website, solar-coaster.com. Yep. Go down the uh, the bottom of the solar-coaster.com homepage, and there's a form you can fill out right there. comes directly to our email, and we can get your questions there and get them on the air for yeah. you. Yeah, and there'll be some uh, social media uh, you know posts related to this. So if you have comments or ideas about some of the technology, we already posted a couple of precursor kind of ones earlier, and uh, some of our buddies were like, hey, I don't know if that tech's possible. <laughs> so <laughs> it's some contentious stuff, which is fantastic. We like that here on the coaster. Always good. Um, Ups so, and downs. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we are sponsored by a great stable, of companies Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonam Battery, uh, Pika Energy. And uh, so these guys really, uh, these amazing companies really are the kind of foundation upon which the solar coaster has been built. So thank you so much. Thank you, sponsors. Yay. All right. And then there are some podcasts out there. If you're podcast people, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, we are getting a little bit of traction here or there. So uh, do check it out and uh, and, uh, and and let us know your feedback. Right? Yeah, download us, listen to us on the subway, whatever you're doing. Share it with your friends and buddies <laughs> and all that. You know, the, one of the coolest parts of that, Jay, is really the installers from around the country that had, you know, found us probably through the SIA episode, the yep. Solar Energy yep. Industries Association episode with Abigail Ross Opper. And you get a guy from Brooklyn at Brooklyn Solar Works like, yeah, yeah I did it. Sharing stuff or out. Yeah, exactly. A guy that from, the guy from Maine. Maine. Who's a friend of Pika. Yeah. Uh, Pike, that I like show. a lot. And I've had a couple of others since in, from California recently. And it's been getting to know the kind of, you know, people on the front lines. We've, those, got, a, we've got a better reach these days. We, well, better, we better stay on yeah, it. Installers <laughs> seem to seem to dig it. You know, you got a quarter sure. million people out there working in this industry, uh, the solar industry in the United States. You got, uh, yeah. what is that, 12 times the growth rate of jobs of other as other areas of the economy, something like that. Yep, we saw it in an like article that. this morning. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. So let's jump on board with the solar coast. You ready okay. to go? Absolutely. Here we go. A news and events section. We're going to start out with this here. So there's some really uh, fun stuff going on uh, nationally. We have this article in Clean Technica technica.com the san diego padres is getting a big old honkin solar system what are the numbers <laughs> the, here the mlb's <laughs> largest solar power system uh 716 high efficiency uh, 470 watt sun power modules. So sun power makes these large. We we actually sat down and the, there's a photo here. Yeah. We actually sat down and counted them. These are not even like the standard commercial panels. These are bigger than that. How many cells? Well, you know the funny thing about uh, sun power and these types of uh, uh, of of the types of architecture of sun power and then the LG. Those are mm -hmm. the only two panels that I know that have this kind of architecture. And I'm not sure what the name of it is, but we just generally call it backside contact. Mm -hmm. Right. So basically, there's none of that um, like silver paste, electrical paste on the front of the silicon, right? right? So it's just clear, really, typically it's really, really dark, absorbing silicon, like really pure silicon. And mm -hmm. on the back, there is a copper plate. Or in the case of LG, it's not copper. I think it might be aluminum, yep. right? So uh, the, the point of this is that they those cells are actually a little smaller in dimension than the other types of cells, uh, right? So okay. for that reason, when we say uh, uh, a standard size solar panel for sun power is a 96 cell solar panel as opposed to the 60, but it's the same thing. It's the same type of same, same surface, type of area. surface area, right? right? But they're using smaller cells, but overall they're getting more wattage, right? It's a little confusing. Right. Um, but so in commercial, in solar panels, you have you know residential size, which are typically those 60 cells. In the mm -hmm. case of sun power, it's 96. Yep. And, uh, and they also have commercial. In the case of um, conventional panels, 
it's a 72 cells commercial. And in case of SunPower, it's 128 because we just counted them. Yep, 128 cells. Now, because of those are smaller cells, are they less resistance? That's that's my understanding. Oh, that would make sense. I'd never thought about that until yeah, just now. Which is one of the reasons why they can get to that kind of wattage. That's that's a contributing factor. Contributing factor. That's a good point, Jay. <laughs> now you see, I never tied, I never you know drew that connection from all the advances in the split. Well, we've seen cells. a lot of other manufacturers recently splitting their cells, yep. doing half those half cell modules. Yeah. And that's exactly the reason they give for it is you can get some efficiencies just by splitting the cells and taking the electrons earlier. There you go. You're a smart cookie, Jay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay. <laughs> but 470 <laughs> watts, so these are some really big, I mean, this is nearly a 500-watt solar panel. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yep. Um, so the system will generate more than get all the, the typical kind of, uh, you know, uh, little bullet points here. The system will generate more than 12 million kilowatt hours over the next 25 years. Okay. So Yeah, $4.1 million overall. Savings, right? Savings. And the project costs about a million million dollars. Yep. Uh, probably pre-tax. That's pre-tax. That's a pre-tax number. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And one thing we noticed here was that San Diego, the home, the the home of the Padres, has a. And I'm gonna, you know, we got some friends in San Diego. I hope they're listening. Derek Dunlap, Jennifer Dunlap, a handful of other good friends in San Diego, uh, targeting San Diego. Apparently, is targeting for 100% renewables by. 2035. I thought we were at 2045. Yeah, 2045. Uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> so um, they're they're going to get 100% renewables 10 years before Maui County. I don't think that's accurate. No what, way. What the mayor said is we're going to get there in five years. Wheeling. After after, we, after, <laughs> wheeling. after wheeling is passed. That's right. Wheeling. Wheeling. So the mayor's. That's, that's the word um, of the day in here, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> last week, the mayor's episode was aired, and we were able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, hear directly about this new concept, wheeling. Or not new concept. It's not really new. Yeah. It's, what, it's something that we've actually it used to be possible, certainly possible, and then they outlawed it basically because the utility wanted that monopoly yeah, so, yeah something along those lines and and so we're really in a place right now where the legislation may change again yep and wheeling will enable us to have according to Amir Arakawa 100% renewables within five and, years and, and again for wheeling for people that aren't aren't familiar allows you to export electricity across um, property lines so even if like even if you owned two adjacent lots, you actually are it's illegal to run power from one to the other. Right. But if wheeling goes right. through, then you would be able to do that. And that allows like microgrid concepts right. where you have a subdivision yeah. who they all share in each other's batteries. Even if your battery system is down for repair, you'll still have electricity because you're Micro bar borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbors. There you go. <laughs> microgrid, right? Community <laughs> microgrid. microgrids. Yep. It's all part of the same process. Yeah. So that wheeling, that, that wheeling legislation needs to go through. Needs to go through. Yeah. We got to dig into that. I, mean, I bet you Chris Lee's behind it over at the ledge. It'd be great to get him on air one of these days to talk a little about wheeling. Absolutely. So let's Absolutely. now that we're kind of segueing over to Hawaii, there's a lot of stuff going on in Hawaii. Last week, the first utility scale solar system was approved and ready to be turned on in Maui County, 2.8 megawatts. I mean, this is uh, some groundbreaking stuff. And across, that's just Maui. And across uh, Hawaii, we have an article here, NRG breaks ground on 110 megawatt PV portfolio in Hawaii. Yep, absolutely huge. Uh, three separate sites. Um, what, Kavailoa, what? Ooh. You want to give that a shot? I can't read it. It's too small. Kavailoa, Waipio, Waipio and, and Mililani. Mililani. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, each one of these sites added up to a total of 110 megawatts. But that's a lot of energy. We, we just yeah. said ours, ours was how long? How much? 2.8? The first one. Oh, the first one we have here in the Maui, just above Lahaina Luna, so right? So it's 2.8 versus yeah. 110. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> remarkable. Awful, awful, awful lot of power. And it says, once completed, three projects will generate enough energy to power almost 32,000 homes each year. 32,000 Oahu homes each year. This is the largest block of grid-scale solar power ever installed in Hawaii. Not a small thing. No, absolutely not. Largest installation, uh, 49 megawatts. That's that's the Kavailoa project. Um, will be the largest solar project in the state. Wow. And it's located on the former uh, sugarcane land owned by Kamehameha Schools. I'll tell you what, and that's really what a good, what a good use of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really exciting stuff. And, uh, you know, if we look a little bit deeper into this, I mean, I think we're definitely, uh, uh, you know, that 2045 conversation, to me, you start deploying systems of that size and uh, 2045 starts to shrink, get a little bit closer, right? Well, yeah, actually down at the bottom of it, they already expect, uh, the NRG expects to have all three projects completed in 2019. So that's way sooner than your 2045 goal. I mean, they're literally going to be busting it out in the next two years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, we are, I think we're going to take a commercial break. Are we about yep, there? Yeah. Just about and that. And we're going to take a commercial break. And when we get we're back, jump right back in. We'll uh, talk to our callers. Yeah. Excellent.
Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric. A leading worldwide inverter manufacturer presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Battery Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Okay, so that's a great run from our our sponsors, uh, and you know we really appreciate the the sponsors to keep the coaster on the air. Absolutely, thanks for keeping us rolling. Okay, so we're gonna roll right into an interview that we've been excited about for a long time, Jay. Yep. Uh, Enphase co-founders uh, Martin. Uh, Fornage, I believe, and uh, and and Raghu Balor, yep. and uh, so Enphase is just a household name, and it's a company that out has here it certainly was. I mean, they were they were um, I don't want to say at the height of it, but they were like the only game in town when NEM was really being rolled out in Hawaii, and I know yeah. so many people yeah. who are legacy NEM series yep. systems. They are all Enphase. Everyone, so yeah. every everybody knows the system. Everybody's used the product. They they're reliable. They've been running here for years, and we all know our environment is not pleasant for electronics <laughs> yeah. so they've kind of proven themselves as being being worth the uh, worth the price of admission absolutely so let's hear from uh, martin and Rigor. i think we got Rigu, and i think we got him right here on the line okay hey guys uh, how are you guys doing hey aloha uh martin and Rigu. this is uh josh porter and jay vercard out here at the solar coaster thanks so much for calling in we're delighted to be on on, on the air Wonderful, wonderful. So yeah, we can't thank you enough. You know, we're we're all uh, kind of very acquainted with the with Enphase. A lot of our friends and family have have Enphase in their homes. Uh, I personally have been out to the uh, factory, uh, or rather the the offices in Petaluma. So I got a sense for how the company looks and feels and operates. And uh, you know, so we're just uh, we're basically a renewable energy theme talk show right here in Maui County, and uh, we want to be able to tell the story of Enphase. So you know, it's an opportunity for you to share with us a little bit about you know, your background and kind of you know where things. Are going awesome yeah thank first uh, uh, thank you very much for having us on the air and um, more importantly thank you to everybody there um, for using Enphase um, I think it's very exciting and I, I cannot say enough uh, but you know I talk about Hawaii um, um, uh, whenever I'm on the road talking to other people and yeah. so it's quite stunning when you drive down the road there um, that Virtually every second or third house yeah. <laughs> has solar on it. It is absolutely amazing, and of course, it doesn't help that it's uh, arguably one of the most beautiful places in the world. So, combination is. I totally is get it. I totally get it. You know, and it's it's interesting too because I was just thinking as we were introducing uh, uh, this segment, I was thinking about how Enphase is really 
kind of the only one of the only uh, solar you know brands out there that's literally already a household name at least in Hawaii right, right. And, and and I guess it, and I was I was thinking I was like why is that it's kind of what you were just saying it's like we have uh, you know we can get used to I guess right Jay we can get mm-hmm. used to the idea that oh well one in every few three, three four or five uh, houses there are sol- have solar on them but it's not always that way across the country yet and it's coming soon of course but not quite yet so yeah Enphase is definitely a, a brand that people are aware of and uh, and so we're really looking forward to digging deep and learning a little bit more, giving some background color on how it all got started and, and, and where things are going these days. So maybe you got maybe you could, um, I'm sure you'll do a much better job than I would, so could maybe you give us a sense on some of the beginnings of, of, of Enphase. Would that be cool? Sure. Yeah, yeah, let me start and I'll give a quick background about it and then Martin can uh, jump in and articulate kind of what our vision is, where we're going and where we, and et cetera. So both Mari and I, uh, we've been in technology our whole careers, and we're both engineers, uh, electrical engineers. We, our, tech, our, our, um, um, how should I say, professional paths crossed in 1998 when we were both at a okay. telecommunications startup, and that startup subsequently got acquired by Cisco, and then uh, went off and did a few other startups separately, uh, but you know remained uh, really good friends. And then it was, I think, December of '05. We were coming off of yet another startup, and we were doodling on a whiteboard when Martin said, "Hey, listen, um, why don't we do something in solar?" And you know, I've got this idea for something called a microinverter. Wow. And I remember asking him that day, "Really, solar? How big could that be?" <laughs> so that's how visionary I was. <laughs> so, and then remember um, um, staying up all night, just you know. I was researching it, thinking about it, Googling it, and thinking about it, and oh, <clears throat> it was um, it was uh, uh, you know quite stunning how we were seeing those early days of uh, of solar and how how we were starting to see the trends. Um, so uh, that's how that's how really two of us got together and started uh, started started uh, started thinking about it. And that's in two thousand and five, right? That you you'd say two thousand and five ish. Sorry, you guys cut out. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that 2005 that you were getting together at that point, did you say? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. We started the, the first, uh, my first draft on my first notebook of December 22nd, 2005. So the timing yeah. there was really uh, very fortuitous because in 08, in I think, is when we started to see the ramp up of solar in Hawaii. So you had that product line ready to go. And I remember when it came out, we were all excited about it. So, wow, that's the story. Amazing. Yeah, correct. We we were very lucky, frankly, to hit the timing as we did. It, it was not engineered at all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that 2005-2006 was a great time to start a, a renewable energy uh, company uh, because the market was very small but growing very fast and uh, because the uh, investment community as well was uh, had a very large appetite for investment in that in that state in that uh, industry wow and when we started looking at it we said wow look you know it, you know we as you know we are we are we are we are quite um, uh, we feel very strongly that everything should be distributed right we big believers in distributed architecture and mm-hmm. we said Look, it should be done as a micro. Micro makes complete. Micro inverters make complete sense. But the first thing you go figure out is, look, somebody else had done micros in the past, and it had, they had all failed. And we said, well, why did it fail? And started looking and investigating and thinking about it closely, about why it failed. And that's when Martin, Martin, uh, Martin's idea of, hey, this has got to be a. A, a digital topology. It's got to be completely done digitally. It's got to be done with semiconductors. It's got to be made extremely, extremely <clears throat> reliable. It's got to have communications. It's got to have a lot of software in it. Um, and those were kind of key ingredients that were needed to make this successful. And those key ingredients were missing. I see. I see. Wow. Yeah. So, so there were some microinverters before, but they were based on a different form of, I think you said, topology, a different type of structure. And now that you move in this direction, this was what enabled it to be successful. Correct. Uh, there was actually a, a company based in Europe that started deploying a microinverter back in uh, mid 2000, early 2000 mm. timeframe. But um, the engineering was uh, not robust enough to be able to survive on a rooftop for a long period of time. Got so it. I believe that the, f- the vast majority of the units failed within 
years, uh, one year or maybe a couple of years after installation, and that really gave a bad name to this product, actually. Mm. So we had to overcome that when we, yeah, we, when we got yeah. online. Yeah. The other problem was it's much harder to make a, a cost-effective product at when you have many of a small box rather than when you have a large box. So uh, the economics of the, uh, I mean, it's very important, it's critical to engineer the product with a low economic base to begin with, uh, uh, rather than uh, miniaturize a large-scale inverter and make, make a small one. Uh, that, that has been proven to be a very bad idea. You want to mm. design a microinverter from scratch, like you don't know anything about anything else, I see. rather than trying to miniaturize something which is large. That's kind of what, what a lot of people did, and I think a few other companies, and in fact, they probably, some of them, some of the new microinverter people mm. still make that mistake, is let mm. me take a five kilowatt inverter wow. and shrink it down, shrink all the components down, turn it into a 250 watt inverter. That's exactly <laughs> the wrong way to do it. Right. So, so you have to look at it as a, as, a, as a new problem, as a fresh problem, and, and, do, and try to solve it in an optimal way. That makes perfect sense. Without knowing anything of what a large inverter looks like. Yeah. yeah. So that led to incredible amount of innovation that Martin and team did. It's mm -hmm. just quite, actually quite mind-boggling if you mm -hmm. look at how much IP intellectual property we have developed in, in coming up with the, with the whole solution set. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow, Excellent. that's that's exciting to hear those those early kind of considerations. Yeah, that would be really, really cool to be kind of fly on the wall. Right. At the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the fact that the product I remember when the product was the, it was brought into market, it really changed the way from an installation community perspective, it really changed the way we installed, right? So in the past, it actually uh, provided a lot of flexibility uh, the microinverter in design, and, and, and clients don't necessarily think about that side of the puzzle, right? Mm. So uh, on the client side, on the user side, we should, we'd say, you have panel level optimization, that's great, right? And on the, um, and great transparency in, in, you know, in, in, in data, so you're able to see what's going on in your individual panels. But on the installer side, you know, before that, we had to, there's, a, there's the stringing that's going on with the central inverters, and if you have multiple azimuths, that just means directions of the roof, then you have some complexities in being able to install, and you have to do a little bit more design work, but Enphase kind of made it really straightforward. It was like, you know, it was kind of plug and play. And install, the installation community just loved it. They're like, that's our ticket. <laughs> and we went and ran with it. And that was a big part of the growth of the initial stage of residential solar in Hawaii. Yeah, part of that is what I, I want you to explain there. I mean, um, what's the difference between, for those that don't know, the standard string inverters versus microinverters? What's the difference? Well, the, I mean, you know, some of the fundamental differences are that, you know, a central inverter is basically on the side of your, your, your house, mm -hmm. right? And you have DC being generated up on your roof, and that energy is being uh, brought down. In the case of Hawaii, it's being brought down in a metal raceway. It's a requirement for DC. And the inversion is happening on the side of your, your house, right? All at one place, one location. Okay. Uh, but if the panel goes out, it could compromise the rest of that string because it's in series. And, uh, you like know, that, Christmas but, lights? Yeah, like Christmas lights, right? You know, one goes out, the rest of them go out, or the rest of them are compromised in some way. And so, um, you know, when microinverters came along, if one went out, it was a totally different ballgame, right? right? One goes out, you know which one it is. Yeah, they, re they, re they report, <laughs> right? right? I mean, yeah. they, they actually go back and tell you exactly how much they're producing and everything yeah. else. I get one of those sheets, the it's, reason why I know. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you're able to go up there and you're able to replace it and diagnose it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then you're also, you know, basically the, the rest of the system continues to function as it, it is meant to function. Right. So that was, a you know, an ease. And I think that also provided a degree of comfort in the user space because, you know, you got to bear in mind, back in 2005, Photovoltaics in it was it was a word we were introducing to the community, right? right. 2005, 2008. This this was the territory where solar panels really what is that's for guys out in Hana that that don't have any any electric lines. Or, what do you mean you're going to put station. it on my house in Kahului <laughs> or in Waikiki or what, what are you going to put it on my house? Yeah. But um, you know, so it was a new product and finding ways to help people feel more and more comfortable with that product line was really key. And I think Enphase was right at the helm of that, you know, right at the beginning, the, yeah. the front of that discussion. So yeah, so oh great. So where wh what was next, guys? So, uh, you know, again, I, I think one of the things you hit upon that's really, really important is as we think about the proliferation of uh, solar, which as we all know is badly needed. I mean, we've got to go from, you know, every third house in Hawaii to every house in Hawaii having, having, having solar and every house in, in the mainland having solar. Um, there are a few other uh, uh, things that become important. Uh, for example, we have to make it extremely simple uh, to install, very simple to maintain, right? Um, so 
one of and, and as technology providers, that was a big driver that Martin had Martin had uh, you know create had, had was was driving too is that we've got to drive simplicity, which means all of the complexity. These things are complex, have to be abstracted away from uh, our partners, from our installer partners, as an example. That's why we strive very hard to make this completely uh, simple and completely plug and play. Mm. But if you look at the actual design, if you look at the inside of a micro, and if you look at the uh, look at the operation of that device, it is spectacularly complex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Martin, Martin says, you know, go ahead, I mean, your example of I mean, how difficult it is, is, is actually quite mind-boggling. Yeah, when, when, when Rego and I were in telecom industry and we were designing uh, super high-speed uh, fiber transmission systems uh, for, you know, uh, you know, utilities, AT&T, whatever, uh, um, this was very difficult to do, but the technologies, some of the technology that goes into microinverter is easily 10 times more complex than what goes into this monster really? million dollar plus type of equipment, right? So it's actually very interesting to see how the, the product is simple from the outside and how immensely complex it is inside. Yeah. And, and cost effective to boot. Right. Yeah, so wow. that was a big consideration. The other big consideration was, especially as you think about places like Hawaii, yeah, the reliability requirements are actually are, are actually quite amazing, given that you're in a pretty you know high salt content environment. Mm. It's hot, mm. um, so taking trying to optimize performance, optimize cost, and optimize reliability. No wonder a lot of people, Martin, in the early days were telling us, oh, forget it, it can never be done. <laughs> yeah, because right. it's never been done. <laughs> yeah, because it had never been done. You know, the, the reliability aspect is something that also took us by surprise. You know, coming from the telecom industry again, where you expect, you know, five nines availability on a system, right? Uh, meaning 99.999% of availability. It, it became obvious, painfully obvious after a few years that that was actually not enough for this type of product. We had to to create a, pr a product that was mm. rock solid mm. in all for all point of views. You know whether uh, it was for during installation, whether it's uh, in operations, uh, the stress that equipment receive when they are connected to grid. Great, yeah. You know all these aspects have to be integrated into the design, and we have to understand the stress on every part in this in this box, whether it's mechanical, chemical, electrical, at any point of view in a very accurate way is to be able to, 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 to have a good product. And it's much more difficult than it looks like from the outside. So I actually remember the first time, it was in August of 2007, we had built a bunch of prototypes and mm. we put them on Martin's house, I think. <laughs> and then <laughs> we came back the next day, 8 a.m., and I think oh, we had six of them or eight yeah. of them. They were all gone. <laughs> oh, wow. really? That's a picture we want to see, yeah. uh, gentlemen, bye, bye. one of these days, hopefully. <laughs> That's an exciting, uh, exciting concept there. Um, Please tell me you still yeah. have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, do anyway. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we had to put we had to put a we had to put a, um, a, a power analyzer on Martin's roof to go see what happened. That um, because basically every day at ATM all the inverters will fail. <laughs> And it turned out the utility was uh, switching a capacitor bank on, on the line somewhere down the line every day at 8 a.m. and creating ah. a, a specific waveform that will kill all the units. Mm. So anyway, we figured this out. We had to do a lot of uh, uh, introspection and a lot of we actually had to gain a lot of knowledge on what type of waveform we expect to see on the grid side, mm. yeah. and which is not documented anywhere. And then uh, uh, and and it's surprisingly dangerous actually, yeah. and <laughs> and being able to uh, to in, you know to use that for the design of all this technology and all the other technology we've done ever since. It's it's interesting. So we learn a lot along the way. It's interesting that the way you're describing your process of development and your background in the telecom with telecom mm -hmm. industry, yep. it, it, it it sounds like you've taken that that kind of um, that 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 feeling almost like a software company into this space, right? And then I remember being in Petaluma. I was fortunate enough to receive a, a, a guided tour maybe about four or five years ago from Ian Knox. And uh, it was a really great experience. I felt that there's, wow, this is the, you know, this is the, there was a lab with these these really, you know, and these engineers that were digging into com different components. And then there was a, an area where they were, um, they were taking uh, systems and kind of, you know, digging into ones and trying to figure out what, how to optimize them and look at the, you know, look at the ones that they had there. And they're, 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 they're all these great systems and it's in a really interesting community of people. 
And it, to me, it felt kind of like, oh, this feels like a like a software company almost, like a something in my yeah. mind the way like a Silicon Valley company would look. You know right, what I mean? Right. So um, very cool stuff. Thank, yeah, thank you for sharing we're, that. We're very much of a software company. You know, one thing which also took us apart in 2006, certainly, is that uh, coming from the telecom industry was very beneficial to us because uh, solar at that time was considered to be 99% of a power conversion uh, problem. And, and uh, so it was, you know, basically uh, products were designed by power, in power conversion people. And coming from telecom, we, we, you do not deploy a single piece of equipment on a network without having a, a, a monitoring, communication, all that stuff online 24-7, right? And of course, because we came from there, because we we're going to go for a distributed architecture, we said we have to have comp all monitoring all the time of this equipment and being able to maintain this equipment remotely, right? Mm. And and that was a major difference. At the time in 2006, I had actually a standard inverter at home, and the only thing you could get out of the inverter was basically two small lines of on an LCD display, which had like two lines of 15 characters or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult to know what was happening with that box. But my box was off at some point for weeks at the end, and, and it was very difficult to know why or mm -hmm. what was going on with it, right? So we said, no, no, we don't want any of that. It has to be obvious to the end user that some, everything is working right, hopefully, and, and if something is not working perfectly well, we should know about it. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. was very changing, uh, that changed the industry in a big way. Yeah, we did... Uh, um, we, we actually took it, as Martin pointed out, even the device inverter itself, and as I mentioned early on, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a digital device. So it's a, we have, a, we have I mean, the next generation of product is going to be almost a supercomputer type, uh, I mean, a, a chip that's running on there that was probably had more horsepower than when the space shuttle launched in 1980, right? <laughs> By far. Right? So that's, what's on the, that's how much computing capability that device has, but we turned... The the in the invention was that it's completely a digital device, which was a completely new revolutionary approach for power that we brought the industry. Mm. Couple that with communications, couple that with all that software that you guys that mm. the end user sees, we see. Mm. That combination is uh, is is again a very, is very unique, and and that's. Silicon Valley was built around that premise. Turn everything into the digital world. Turn everything to custom custom chips. You know, and the heart of our inverter is a custom chip. And so it was. It, it, it's a very um, software-centric view of the world. Got it. Got so it. So the joke is the next release of software will actually be mining bitcoins on your roof. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, actually, really? I think that might be pegged in one of our future show show slots right now. We're excited to talk about Bitcoin solar or coin. solar coin. Whatever yeah, there's something going on there. There's something solar going on coin. there. So to be clear, that's just a joke. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so so that's a that's a great kind of um, you know I, I, that's exciting to hear the background and how things got started and kind of what the perspective uh, is. And then, of course, that 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 you landed on that 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 concept that you landed on allowed you to really uh, grow, especially in this space out here in Hawaii, which was one of the first you know early ramp up adoptions uh, environments in the United States. Primarily because we got great sun, we got really expensive electricity, and we have really uh, generous uh, uh, tax incentives to help ramp those programs as well. So the the math that it worked and the technology was just you know adopted quickly by the installers and the home users really liked the idea of the transparency and and then it then it was like you know just kind of gangbusters right right and, uh, and and then we get to a place where I, I think right now I mean I, I was trying to run the numbers before I think we have something in the territory of about half a million uh, utility account users that's just rough rough numbers on all the islands uh, excluding Kauai uh, here in Hawaii and uh, you know I think you guys have got a, a good chunk of that business you know to, I don't know exactly what it is but do, do you have a sense for how much of the penetration out here is, is Enphase um, it's hard to say but it's hard to say. I could be. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It, My guess is I it's probably north of a third. Low, we have we have well over a million microinverters out there. Yeah, yeah. In, on Oahu alone, we probably have a million microinverters. <laughs> oh right, because you have right. You have all the yeah. multiples per roof. So you got a, a big you know big chunk of the existing uh, business out here, and um, yeah. and now we've got these new programs. So in two thousand and 15, you know, I'm sure you're well abreast of what's going on in the Hawaii marketplace. It's really this kind of template for uh, for the nation in some respects, you know, with these new programs. Although we're still experimenting. We're still, exp <laughs> we're, we're doing a lot of experimenting for sure. But I yep. mean, in 2000 and 
then uh, what's it? Geez, fifteen, I guess, right? Two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. Nem yep. finishes, yep. and then we're said, okay. Then the utility says, okay, go ahead and do con- consumer self supply, right? And then you can do batteries, right? Well, they didn't generally exist that much. <laughs> well, that the the battery permanent. products really weren't ready, <laughs> weren't mature for that. Yeah, right? and then you get. Then they offered a, a program called consumer self supply, a consumer uh, grid supply, I should say, right. CGS, right. and uh, that got eaten up real fast. Kind of a small bucket per island, mm-hmm. uh, and and now what's uh, what's starting to move into place is something called CG. They have these new programs, gentlemen. I'm not sure if you've heard these yet, but uh, just to talk about them briefly, CGS Plus, which is uh, they're discussing controls of the microinverters to to basically limit export to certain you know times or characteristics. Right. The utility wants um, to have an ability to curtail uh, generation to the grid if they don't actually need it at the time. Right. Uh, that's the, so that's the the broad yeah. strokes of it, right? Yep. And then NEM expansion, which people are super excited about because the early adopters, all those fellows out there that have, uh, a lot of them have Enphase, mm-hmm. and they went and bought a Tesla or a Leaf or a Bolt or whatever, yeah, and since, they got since all the this time extra that they general, installed this yeah. thing in 2008, 2009, maybe 2010, um, their energy profile has changed. I mean, all these electric vehicles are showing up. They're massive draws. Uh, they need more power than they ever used to. I mean, Maybe some of them had children. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I literally okay. have friends that have two EVs right now. And, yeah. and they're like, how do I size my solar system? And I'm like, well, you have a NEM, that's great, You're, yeah, but I can't do anything for you unless we get really creative, right? You know, right. with like a right. you know separate, almost like an off-grid system. Off-grid. So uh, there's a NEM expansion category that's been uh, ordered by the PUC and is hopefully any day now going to be clarified yep. uh, by the utility. And there's also a smart export uh, program. So you got these three kind of, uh, I would say, perfect fairly groundbreaking utility program categories. Uh, And I'm excited to see how Enphase is going to play a role here. My gut kind of tells me Enphase is going to be a a major player again in this, you know? So do you have any any feedback on that or any any ideas? Yeah, in general, the way to think about it is like this, right? I think the days of where you put solar on and it's a a dumb participant on the grid is, those days are gone, Mm -hmm. right? I think what we, all of these things, the CGS Plus, MEM Expansion, Smart Export, those are all functionally software, right? Right. So it's a combination of systems being very intelligent, making autonomous decisions, you know, you're giving them a profile, you're giving them a character, you're giving them a persona, and they behave in a certain manner. Mm. For example, it is zero export. Okay, you cannot export onto the grid at all at any point in time. That's a character as a persona. Mm. System gets a gets a gets a behavioral characteristic. Um, you're going to see all of that happening as well, and that's all done through software. Mm. You, you 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 tune the you 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 tune the system to behave in that manner, coupled with all of the systems are all connected, hyper-connected. They're all talking to each other, they're all talking to the cloud, and the utility can come in and change that persona, change their behavior. So you're looking at systems that, as you know, in a classic distributed architecture, how that evolves is all these endpoints, there's so much intelligence there that you can use that intelligence to tailor the behavior of those devices Mm. to the uh, to the conditions that they're operating in, right? Sorry, I'm uh, you know I'm all over the place, but that's the general thesis of it. Is we can do all all of these things are possible through software. So there's a lot. So so well, that's exciting because CGS Plus uh, and NEM expansion, these two categories are right around the corner, and there's a major appetite. And CGS Plus has a li- is a limited bucket, right? It's a kind of experimental. Let's try this program out. Uh, thing that's the way the utility likes to do these things. Yep. I think it's maybe uh, you know uh, six megs or something like that. If, uh, I'm yep. not sure. Yeah, and then um, so in the in NEM expansion, however, that's something that I, I, I'm getting calls all the time about. I heard you can expand, and not only in the residential space, mm-hmm. in the commercial space as well. So uh, there's some you know commercial uh, NEMs uh, maxed out at 100 kWAC, and we've got clients out there with more roof space saying we've got way more bill, and we want to be able to do uh, you know. Um, uh, more, you know, more, more solar, right? We love that. We love the, the tax incentives. We love the return on investment. Let's do it. So um, how far out, gentlemen, do you think we are? If it's just a software issue, right, which is what Jay, by the way, Jay's a software guy too, gentlemen. So, uh, you know, he's sitting over here going and nodding his head like, yep, 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 yep. yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> but um, uh, if, it's just, if it's primarily a software issue, how far out are we to be able to reprogram these devices and be able to create that new persona and meet these uh, utility programs? Um. 
You know, I think uh, for us, it's as much about, it's not far. Short answer is not far. Okay. We can do this. It just depends on getting clarity on exactly what the requirements are. Mm-hmm. Get clarity on exactly what the requirements are. For us, it's writing code, writing software, and and remotely pushing it onto these systems. Got it. And, Got it. Uh, you know, in some instances, you may have to, you know, the original systems didn't have any way of measuring um, consumption or yeah. net energy, for example. We were not doing that before. Now, of course, we off, you know, a lot of systems are being offered with storage. A lot of systems are being offered with, with um, you know, CTs that measure what your net production, net net mm-hmm. consumption production and consumption is, what your production is. So, it's adding a few more sensors in there, and then it's a question of giving them, giving the systems uh, the identity what they need gotcha. to meet those requirements. So, no, n- there is no no major technology breakthrough required. It is. Uh, simply a matter of understanding clearly what the requirements are and then pushing it. That's encouraging to hear because there's a lot of people out here right now that are ready to kind of pull the trigger on this uh, technology. And I think part of the reason is that, you know, there's been this um, general onboarding of storage on the grid thing that's been happening over the course of the last couple of years. And uh, the notion of CGS Plus could could certainly be without storage. So it's a very, it kind of harkens back to the days of a really aggressive return on investment uh, and them expansion as well. If we can say, you know, if we can put some CTs in and say, your, pre- your approval is four kilowatts and we're gonna add some more PV, but it can only, you know, uh, generate during the, you know, up to four kilowatts, you know, at a given moment peak, then that's kind of an understandable solution, I suppose, right? And it could be right around yep. the corner. So that's very exciting stuff. So let's let's uh, backtrack a little bit. I know that uh, Enphase launched a modular storage system, uh, the storage modules. Can you tell us a little bit about that and about the strategy around that? Yeah, so uh, absolutely happy to do that. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we, that, um, that um, Marion team invented was that microinverter is actually a fully bi-directional device, which means it can be flow energy in both directions. Mm. You can go DC to AC and it acts like an inverter, or you can, in software, tell it, hey, produce, go the other way. That's convenient. <laughs> produce, uh, take AC <laughs> and convert it into DC. So I don't know, not many people know that, but uh, that's that device is an ideal converter. It acts like an inverter or a charge controller, all done in software. Right. So we said, Okay, we've got this device, we've got the communications, we've got all the software, um, and we know storage is coming. What's the best way to do storage? And we said, and, you know, storage is done just like solar was done in a very centralized manner. Lots of cells in series, just like a lot of photovoltaic cells in series, except these happen to be chemical cells in series, and one centralized power conversion. Mm. We said, well, that doesn't, does that make sense? Well, maybe not. Let's go back to a fully distributed architecture, and that's how we came up with the idea of let's we have a bidirectional device. Let's embed that inside a handful of cells. There are only eight cells in series, and that resulted in a very distributed storage solution, completely AC coupled, and um, and and that's how we entered the market. And basically, it's just think about you know we have this platform this power conversion, communication, software platform, solar is an application on that platform, storage was the next application. It just became yeah. a very natural extension to what we're doing. Absolutely. And I, you know, and I have to tell you, it's, it's a very unique architecture uh, in terms of on-grid solar plus storage. Mm-hmm. And it's something that got me really excited early on. And I talked with a handful of your staff at some of the, you know, trade shows. And we had some great, you know, kind of brainstorming discussions. And, and uh, you know, what, what I found interesting about it as a solar guy is that you have, you know, with, with, with Enphase, you have, a, you have a branch circuit that you, you line up your, your uh, inverters on, right? And there's a, there's a maximum that you can do. You know, in the case of the uh, M250s, I think it was 16 or so, maybe, or 17, yep. 16 or so modules right and then but the if i understand correctly you have this effectively very similar like basically like a mirror image in a sense you could have a mirror image in your garage and you can have a x amount similar maximum number of storage modules right so this is there's another circuit going out it's maybe another maximum of what is, is the maximum roughly the same is it 16 or is it a different exactly number? the same it's yeah same so you have this kind of mirror image in my mind right and what's really cool about it is that it is it's modular in nature so if you wanted to come in and just you know start out small right you could you could do that you could 
start out small, and I'm sure with, if there's a certain minimum, but it's probably a, a minimum. And then you could no, say one minimum is one. One, one so you could do, there's, there's you the could minimum. Do, you could do one panel and one storage for if you have a you know a one kilowatt hour a day requirement for whatever. Hey, there you go. Yeah, and there you exactly. go. And then you go. Well, next year I want to do a little bit more because I've you know now I have a two kilowatt hour day requirement. <laughs> <laughs> you put yeah. it on, but that modularity is so unique. Uh, that really, I just yeah. haven't seen that in any other environment, and that's very exciting. Now, one of the things that I, would, I really want to ask you about the storage modules is that you know it's 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 positioned to function in a self-supply capacity. Now, uh, why does it not? Why is it not positioned presently to function in a battery backup capacity? Can you can you help us better understand that? Sure. So, <laughs> battery backup has been a, a, a constant, uh, not a worry for us, but it, it's something that diverged from the uh, grid tied inverter capability, right? Mm. So, grid tied inverters. You know, and we can have different technical discussion on that. Is that grid tight inverter typically are prohibited from injecting energy on the network when the network is dead, right? Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of solar inverters out there uh, cannot inject energy anywhere if there is no grid, and and actually prohibited from doing that by by regulation, right? And the reason for that was for the safety of the linemen or people right. who are working on an installation, right? They assume you have a, uh, some line falls down or something, uh, the breaker pops, and uh, you don't, certainly don't want a bunch of solar installation pushing energy on, on that uh, disconnected line, right? And be able to kill people mm. uh, because of that. So it was an early requirement to not be able to so-called island, which is a Fully chosen name in Hawaii, I guess, but <laughs> uh, 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 not being able to island, uh, no uh, island uh, on an electrical <laughs> point of view, um, and uh, therefore, uh, you know, the vast majority of solar inverters cannot island and cannot provide energy when there is no grid. Um, so, uh, because we didn't have to provide that functionality, we didn't put it in the original product. But about four years ago, we started really thinking hard on how we could actually uh, do this. Uh, and by doing this, um, I needed we needed to actually alleviate all the issues which exist in the existing off-grid inverters, right? Mm -hmm. So, if if you are familiar with an off-grid inverter, typically uh, it's a specific device. Uh, that is typically more expensive than a standard inverter and cannot really expand in capacity, okay? Mm -hmm. So some upgrade inverters, you can actually add a couple of units next to it uh, when you start from a, 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 a given product, but that's typically it. You have a, a, a very limited range of expandability, mm. and you certainly cannot work in conjunction with your neighbor either, right? Uh, because uh, all these devices require some kind of high-speed communication between devices to be able to have them work together. Okay. Or to form the grid. Or to form a grid, right, mm -hmm. together. And so because we are distributed in nature, it was actually very much harder for us to do a product that will work without, uh, without requiring any kind of high-speed communication between devices. Okay. Right? Um, so it was a, the, the, the problem at hand was just an order of magnitude more complex than just generating a standard upgrade inverter. So we had to think really hard about this one, and it turns out that uh, there is an existing example of, of products that operate this way, and these products are power plant. Mm. If you take uh, Hoover Dam, uh, Hoover Dam doesn't need a high-speed communication product to cooperate with other power plants which are anywhere in, in, the, in this area, right? So what we end up doing is basically we took the essential algorithm inside a major power plant okay. and we miniaturized them to go on our chip. Wow, so you and took the entire grid and, and then yeah. considered it back down to a roof, right? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And, and so we basically created like now a, a roof with this new technology called Ensemble technology. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, looks like basically an array of 30 Hoover Dam generators that are work together in unison and the name, right? And, and, no, and no high speed communication between them, and they form the grid um, in, a, in a democratic manner. Okay. With with, with, with with zero comms, and there is no it's a masterless system. There's no right. central control. There's nothing. So what that allows you to do is scale infinitely. You oh can have goodness. a microgrid, basically, with one solar panel, <clears throat> one microinverter, 
Mm. Or can I have a microgrid with 5,000 solar panels and 5,000 microns? Or the entire island. Or the entire <laughs> island could be a microgrid. And right? this is Ensemble. So that's Ensemble, yeah. This is your, your 19, are you, is this a, a, a launch potentially in, in 2019, is that correct? Yes, that's the first, yeah, I think publicly we have said it's the first half of 2019. <sighs> um, we are already, obviously, as you can imagine, it's work, it, we, are, we are testing it, we are running through all the tests, and takes us this long to finish all the reliability work and there's a lot of software work to be done as well. Uh, reliability work probably being the most, um, uh, the biggest element of it. But uh, yeah, and, 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 and the, the key here, what Martin mentioned here is we're not talking storage as yet. This is solar only. So just imagine a complete solar system that seamlessly goes between grid tight and off grid and back and forth. That's that's remarkable, and you know I really uh, I can't tell you how excited we are. That I love that sentence. You have a roof of Hoover dams, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, that's Thirty Hoover dams. <laughs> that's amazing, amazing sentence here. So, uh, so and then so we're talking before we talk about storage. But is there some kind of an integration method with your storage modules in terms of ensemble? Absolutely. So yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. It will be uh, you know of course when we release this, this product, it will be a whole line of product including the storage part. Of Got course. It. Uh, what, what this system does is basically give you your own grid operation, op operating system uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to operate your own grid like it was completely either completely independent or connected to the actually grid at large, right? Wow, this sounds So we have, to, we have to basically duplicate all the control systems that exist in the grid at large, like like uh, Huawei Electrical Company will, will have, and we're doing that. Uh, within your own house, right? And and in a way that the homeowner doesn't need to know anything about it at all, right? That's amazing. And I'll tell you what, uh, th this type of conversation is exactly the reason why we've we've been asked recently to try to expand our assist our show from one hour to two hours <laughs> because <laughs> we can talk with you fellas for the rest of Friday <laughs> for sure. Um, but I but just as my takeaway here, and we're going to wrap in a moment, and I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's really just a, a, a remarkable conversation, and there's uh, so many more questions. I think we both have for you. But my takeaway here is that you have the Ensemble uh, program being released in 2019, first half of 2019, and that uh, that Hoover Dam, I think, uh, sentence is going to get some play for us. And then uh, there's also an integration with the storage modules. Uh, so does that mean that the storage module will be able to work in a battery backup capacity? Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. That's it's what we're looking for. On, it suddenly becomes the always on system, meaning solar during the day, storage at night. All right, all right. Uh, I, get, I, I would like to submit that Maui Solar Project would be very happy to install the first one in Maui County and uh, when that does come out. And I really want to just say uh, thank you so much for, for sharing the, the, this the, uh, amazing kind of epic story of the, uh, of the birth of Enphase, uh, you know, uh, a, 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 a known a name that's in everyone's house right nowadays out here in Hawaii. Everyone knows it. It's a brand name that everybody knows. And, uh, and getting us all the way and, and kind of doing the hard work, right, doing the innovation for, uh, for, for what we need out here to be able to continue to grow and get to 100% renewable energies. And there's some dialogue that we may be there a little bit sooner than we think. So perhaps the Ensemble program can be a big part of that process for us. So really want to thank you very much for your time today. And uh, maybe we can uh, see you again soon sometime, I hope, maybe out here in Maui. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Okay. Aloha. Thanks so much, guys and gentlemen. I really appreciate it. So, everybody, this has been The Solar Coaster. We are a uh, renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We just had the co-founders of Enphase, uh, Raghu Balor and Martin Fournage, on our show. All right, yeah. Jay. Gen generally, we... Uh get to the end and we lose like one of our future focus segments today we ran right to the end yeah <laughs> fantastic story with these guys right i mean that, can't can't believe it okay that was about the that was about the um the the you know the more, most future focus section i could imagine right so we are the renewable energy themed uh we are solar coaster here and it is um basically <laughs> you're, a you're speechless i'm speechless you're exactly speechless. right, right. want to take us, over for me jay no problem it was Check that out. good of a show it really was thanks Jonah. it's uh solar-coaster.com get on there uh fill out your questions if you want to get all past shows it's on there as well hit like and subscribe love you guys yeah don't forget about our sponsors, right? Mountain yep. Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Pika Energy, and Sonin Battery. Battery. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Aloha. Aloha.